welcome to a most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a filmmaker and a comedian shoot the eyes out of the 80s movies we think we love or possibly hate or might have missed with these are modern eyes to discuss how we think they held up. And this is a Christmas story holiday episode. Ooh, a movie selection from 1983. Only one story makes the holiday shine. That star is crooked. A classic tradition that's one of a kind. A Christmas story. Ah, fragile. It must be Italian. It celebrates the spirit of giving. Wow. And songs to be singing. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Of lights big and bright. Oh, you should see what it looks like from out here. And little ones, naughty and nice. <laughs> a yearly tradition. My triple dog dare you. <laughs> Stuffed with delicious new treats. A little bribe never hurts. That make the holidays complete. <laughs> so run, don't delay. Get your favorite holiday movie today. No, 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 I want to fish a red at carbonation. Do you want to kill me? Just be ready to shout. You shoot your eye out. Ho, ho, ho. A Christmas story. Hello and welcome back. It's been a while. It has. It has. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where it it seems like logically we should be less busy because we can't leave our homes. But at the same time, <laughs> there's more paralyzing panic. Not... Yes. Yes. That's not the case. Um, however, we did get to uh, get together and do some uh, in-person um, filmmaking. Oh, that's right. Recently. I almost forgot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's the passage of time is very elusive. Indeed. Uh, it's, it both seems like Groundhog's Day and uh you know and just yeah, like we're in one of those um slumber pods in aliens. Yeah, 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 exactly because like uh, you know, uh the the years go fast and the days go slow, right? So you look up and it's the middle of October or November, it's about to be Thanksgiving and you're just like Wait a minute! I swear to you, it was just August uh-huh. yeah, five minutes a, ago. The uh, the meme or, or the <laughs> the um, I don't I don't know even know what it's called. You know the photos with the the funny stuff. Are they called memes? Is it more specific? Yeah. Anyways, so it's like yeah, <laughs> from, from the year that brought you six months of April. Uh, we now present <laughs> Tuesday, part nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um oh, so yeah goodness. so i with uh covid um haven't done a lot i we haven't done a lot of production you know i'm as as viewers or audience listeners may you know know i'm i'm a filmmaker both in in i do like corporate video and commercials and things like that but you and i so i have uh, you and i actually did um some commercials oh we did. Um, so our, I, I've mainly been doing editing uh, in this new COVID environment, but uh, did ha- I have had one COVID production, and so we had to 
um, take a lot of precautions. Everyone got tested. There was um, temperature testing on site. Everyone had to wear masks. Um, so yeah, that was definitely an experience. But yeah, we did we did um, some commercial, some branded spots. That's uh, the um, the the lingo of when it's low budget for web only commercials. Uh-huh. Branded spots um, for redneck lipstick barbecue sauce, um, yeah. and then the fun the fun thing about that is we got a lot of latitude to do something fun and silly, and they just hit the at least I just saw the ads the interweb on the interwebs today, so I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, uh, we'll have a posting or a link. I'll probably have it on my Vimeo page. Uh, so Nathan Blackwell Vimeo, you can see the spots and you can see what Chrissy looks Chrissy and her brood look like in person. Yes, except that like I the way that I look is problematic to me in, in that video. It's like, oh God, is that what I look like now? What happened to me? Yeah, I, I, um but yeah. I've definitely been suffering what they call the the quarantine fifteen of of just being sedentary, you know? Yes. And, well, and like I just feel like when I look at myself, I'm like, "Oh God, girl, you look tired." <laughs> uh huh. Good time. <laughs> which would, which makes it seem like I'm not taking a two hour nap every day, which I definitely. Am. <laughs> it's such a weird time. I should be so productive. I should be writing screenplays, and instead, I just refresh the news every three seconds. So Yeah, well, because you have to know if you're going to write a screenplay, whether or not you'll be alive to do anything with it. Um, But you have been working on a radio play, which I'm very excited about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and you've got a part in it, too, in episode two. Yeah, I've been working on it should be done by now, but it's not, you know, because, again, just so there's so much time. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a scripted podcast. Um, it's a you know like a, I I call it a radio series, but a lot of people think of like these throwback 1930s stuff, which I love, you know, which we've got yeah. in a Christmas story. But it, it's really more of a a modern um, you know scripted podcast uh, about um, small town superheroes trying to make it in the big city. Yes, and it's very funny, and it's got, um, you know, the, as it stars, of course, Adam Reaney and Ryan Gomont, who are uh, past and future guests mm-hmm. of Most Excellent 80s. Um, yeah, so, like, improv-wise, you know, of course, our theater's been closed since March, and, uh, you know, we're doing online shows, so if you're, you know, out there in the interwebs and you want to see me do some improv, now's your mm-hmm. chance. It's online. Um, and we're starting to actually do uh, the week after Thanksgiving. We're going to do outdoor shows in a uh, a lot across the street from where our theater building is. Nice. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it will be. <laughs> I think it will be. Um, you know, we've done outdoor performances before. Usually it's for like a wedding or a corporate picnic or mm-hmm. something like that where you kind of just like set up your mobile outdoor everything but uh we're trying to make it a little bit more permanent and professional but it will be in the out of doors so hopefully people will feel comfortable coming together in very socially distanced uh outdoor comedy settings mm-hmm. and to be honest i don't know if i know how to do comedy anymore <laughs> i'm i'm pretty sure uh-huh. i <laughs> forgot yeah i just the basics uh, i'm so out of shape like my cardio is you know it's like 
people say, oh, I'm out of shape. But no, my God, I get winded just from walking across the room, (laughs) you know. So I've been trying to use an exercise bike. And man, I just don't, I can't stand, I can't stand it. I can't stand basic movement. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure I can stand and talk at the same time. That might be a skill that I have, that I have lost. Standing, moving, talking at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, but we do get to wear lavalier mics, which are one of my favorite things to wear. There's just something so um, sa- satisfying about having a little microphone that goes over your ear like you are Britney Spears. It's just like it will never not be an empowering experience. Oh, that's fun. Uh, okay, so Christmas Story 1983. This is like one of the, I would say, big top whatever 80s holiday movies Mm -hmm. like this has got to be in the top two right it's like this and christmas vacation um what is your uh the history how do you feel about a christmas story for for me a christmas story is uh my i guess i you know it's what i say (laughs) When I say it's like my family's Christmas movie, I think it's just me and my brother's Christmas movie. It's definitely not my mom's Christmas movie, you know. <laughs> um, okay. You know, and, I, and maybe it's just me. You know, it's no, it's got to be me and my brother's. But it's one of those ones that when we did have normal cable, we would just put on in the background when they would do 24 hours of a Christmas story. And, yes. just, and, and we wouldn't even have the sound on because we, we would so memorize the moments. We would just have the TV running in the background and it would be rolling on and on. And I, I think that one of the reasons why that works is because it's so episodic. There, it's just so yes. – it, it, it's really like how do you dramatize something that is about a kid who wants a BB gun and eventually does, gets it? You know, and so it's really Uh about these episodic moments of childhood and growing up in Mm -hmm. in in the the early forties. You know, yeah, yeah, it's like a like a slice of life. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and so I think that's its charm is you know you you see a lot of these movies that are very episodic and they really live or die by the quality of the moments and the episodes and like the truth that they tell. Or, or the humor that they take on them, you know? and Yeah, so I would say that that's true of Christmas Vacation as well. And, and like, all the sort of Clark Griswold movies is that it's, like, this, then this, then this, then mm-hmm. this. Like, mm-hmm. the, it's just a series of events. Yeah. It's kind of like the Blues Brothers in a, in a lot of ways, too, you know? Yes. Yes. That's an excellent comparison. Um, so. I hate this movie. What? <laughs> I don't like this movie. It's like, it's my least favorite Christmas movie. I don't like it. Um, and that's it. That's it. You know what? I'm, I'm making myself vulnerable mm-hmm. right now. I understand that that's an unpopular opinion and that people are going to disagree with me. So this is ET revisited, isn't it? It is. It okay. is. So, like, so I, I look. <laughs> I'm okay with this, you know, uh, but but I yeah. looked them up on, on IMDb, which can be very savage in its reviews. So E.T. Mm-hmm. has a 7.8, which to me feels low 
on IMDb. For e- for ET? Yeah, I would say generally that's agreed upon as like one of the best movies yeah. ever. Yeah, and then a Christmas story. Uh what do you th- what was your guess on its rating? People freaking love this movie. I would say it's probably an it's 8. It's 7.9. Nice, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that in no way is to preface the value of my opinions over your opinions on this episode. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. It's just context. Yeah, it's yeah, context. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The world is on your side, Nathan Blackwell. I understand. I love it. <laughs> it's so great when the world is made for me. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I don't like it. And I, I, you know, I think the thing that I don't like about mm-hmm. it, like as I watched it, uh, most recently for this, um, you know, of course, I've seen it eight billion times, much like you. It's it's in the background at the holidays. There's nothing you can do. Um, so I watched it this time trying to, like, really ask myself, what don't I like about this? And I think it's that, like, generally, nobody is happy. Like, everybody <laughs> is grumpy. Like, everything is, like woe is me and i get it it's the 40s (laughs) like the whole world is that way but like even when he ultimately at the very end gets his bb gun he gets to be happy about it for like five minutes and then and then it's like oh yeah (laughs) and then he's like you know he he breaks his glasses and he's like oh i left my gun outside Mm -hmm. and i mean i guess that's the point is it's not about the having, it's about it, the wanting. I don't know if it's the point, but go on. <laughs> um, I, I, I think, but yeah. that's, you know, that's everything in this movie. The dad's always grumpy. They hate the neighbors. There's, you know, bullies. The, you know, mom is always, like, so downtrodden. Like, there's little moments of, of lightness, and you think people care about each other, but on the whole, even Santa and his goddamn elves are the meanest people ever. <laughs> uh, so, so, I think that's what I, I don't respond I, to. I, okay, okay, okay. So, uh, my take on the, the tone of the movie is that it's all kind of the the mythos of being a child and seeing it from a child's point of view of how like, you know, big and epic the bully was or how important, you know, some of these things like Santa and getting what you wanted Mm -hmm. for Christmas and like dad's feud with like the furnace. And and it's just all kind of an elevated quote, epic kind of it's like even he, even the lines that they use in the narration is like the epic battle it's still folklore that lives on today you know it's like just the way that that kids saw childhood and how important and big things were and you know the making because again it's just about a kid who wants something for christmas making something you know as you know significant and the 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 mythos around saying your first curse word in front of your dad and the repercussions yeah. and all the things that happened or, or just like how a child sees like a store Santa, like store Santas are really can be really super scary to a kid, you know? And it's so it, everything, all these different aspects of childhood are just kind of elevated um, into kind of mythos. But, you know, it's like one of the things that I really liked about that I really respond to is 
to the the movie is is the setting, you know, is that being set like in the the early forties, it, it just felt like a time. It felt like time travel, you know, because I felt like it did such a, a, a good job. There was also the exoticness of like being in the Midwest and everything being cold, you know, it's, it's set. Yes. It's set in, it, I cannot yeah. relate to the, to the cold situation. It's set in Indiana. I think they shot in Cleveland, but um, it just feels like, the kind of forties that you <laughs> that you always imagined existed, like it feels like a time capsule. Like I remember genuinely being surprised that it was this movie was filmed in the eighties, but I mean, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> Is I guess they didn't film it in the forties. Like it just it just to <laughs> me it feels they do such a good job in terms of the style and just the just the locations and the clothing and the details that everything just feels like like a time capsule you know it does but like the thing about it is that the way that it looks like in the 40s and snowy and all of that i think is something i also don't like about it because the color palette is so like mm-hmm. it's like normal it's like norman it's rockwell so brown. yeah it's like it is it's like frozen yeah. norman rockwell you know just like the uses of like reds and and like blues and greens and things like that That is exactly the color palette. And when I watch it, I don't think to myself like, oh, I want to go to there, (laughs) you know, in the same way that I that you sometimes do in in other movies that take you to a time and a place. I'm like, ugh, I'm so glad I am not there (laughs) um, to wear a lumpy brown sweater and, you know, have to walk in the snow. But that doesn't mean there's nothing about the movie that I like. I love his, you know, his fantasies, his daydreams. Um, and, and the way that he imagines everything to its extreme Mm -hmm. and, you know, there are these little vignettes where everyone plays a character and all of that is heightened that I relate to and that I like. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also like the, you know, the little brother who's like in his gigantic snowsuit and his little giggle. But yeah, but it it is. It's just it's it's an episode. It's you know, um, the tongue stuck to the pole, the bullies, the Christmas bonus, the major award, tree shopping, saying the f word, eating the soap, the decoder ring, Santa. Like it's just this, then this, then this, then this. And I, you know, some of them are better than others. I think. <laughs> you, <laughs> you just listed all the best things in order. Uh, okay, no. I I agree that the tongue sticking to the pole is the best part of the movie. If if that's what you mean, sticking the tongue to the pole is the funniest part of the movie. Although I still hate it because the kids are triple dog dare, the triple dog dare. What you skip the double dog dare, and then the poor kid like gets half of his tongue frozen off. But it is funny. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that was my. I, I don't know what my fa- most favorite part in the movie is. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I hard pressed. I'm not sure what my favorite moment of the movie is. You know, because you have so many favorite moments that you couldn't choose. I would one? say yeah. <laughs> probably, you know, is it probably my. I guess my favorite sequence, 
but it's not necessarily one that I love. I just love the exaggeration of it. Is this is the mm-hmm. the the store Santa line on on how mm. how mm-hmm. you know just like how you know the you know he's got this he goes like okay great so mom doesn't want me to have this 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 BB gun um mm-hmm. but I've got a way to circumvent mom. I can talk to the manager. I can talk to the big guy. I can go to Santa himself. So he's he's impatient yeah. to visit Santa. And so what do you do to make, you know, this an obstacle is that you make it kind of the worst nightmare of store Santas. But the re- it's probably the reality of store Santas too, you know? And, yeah, store Santas and their elves in the 40s were probably treated children exactly like that. Where they're like, boom, you're on the lap. Get out uh-huh. of here, you monster. And then they send you down a slide. But yeah, there's probably two two scenes, two moments in the movies that I most remember what it was like to be a child in and to experience mm-hmm. those. This the store Santa and just how intimidating waiting in line to see Santa and then like that he's right in your face, ho, 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 that wide-angle lens, and just, like, how scared shitless as a kid <laughs> you feel, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then that that comedic moment to where he just freezes up, they, they throw him down the slide, he, like, stops, you know, and turns around, remembers what he wants, and they said, you'll shoot your eye out, kid, and they push his, his face down the slide. Yep. Like that—that that would be the the moment that that I'm, I I relate to, but probably the moment that I most remember what it was like to be a kid. That you know, I kind of felt yeah. it was when Ralphie had got into the fight, and then and mm-hmm. then he was home, and then he was crying in the dark as mom was making dinner, waiting for dad to come home. I I definitely mm-hmm. had that as a kid. And just immediately, like, felt it, like, what it was like to kind of wait for the the execution, you know? Just kind yeah. of crying, looking at your comic books, because you you had genuinely done something wrong. And just waiting for Dad to come home and for, for the punishment to arrive, you know? So I think that part in particular is one of the, like, nice warm moments where, like, mom doesn't tell on Ralphie. Mm-hmm. Like, mom does not. Uh, it's Ralphie, right? Yeah. The other one's yeah. Randy. Yeah. Um, she, she like, back, she sees how affected he is by it. And so she doesn't make it a big deal. And and that's a nice warm moment where yeah. he's like, finally, my mom could, it was my friend. And it's like, wow. Yeah, that, that was that was a great moment. That's when you really felt it, you know. It's like, and, and I thought the mom was great, you know. I, th- I thought the actress was great. There were so many, these little moments to where she was both the mom but still a person, you know. Yeah, her performance is, is very believable. Yeah, I, I feel like the parents, um, the parents are great, you know. Like, they... Um, you know, Darren McGavin is just, you know, iconic as the dad, you know? Um, yes, I and- agree. Like he is an iconic grumpy dad who like doesn't really connect much to the family, right. but has um, that degree of except, mirth except- to him as well. Yeah. He has that moment where he, um, finally gives ralphie the bb gun and it's like that's my probably my Mm -hmm. favorite part of the movie in terms of like 
feeling good about it is that he's like, what's that over there? And he's like, oh, a boy needs a weapon. Um, and <laughs> like, that was a moment where you're like, oh, he genuinely like does care. He's mm-hmm. not like as disconnected as he seems. That was a nice moment. Yeah. Um, uh, the th- one of the things I like is that it, it plays the kid's point of view for a lot of the movie, but there's the parents are allowed to have there's allowed to exist a subtext almost kind of like it's a mix between um being told as as a legend through the kids narration but yet we're still seeing almost a documentary view of the events and so you get to see the subtext of the parents being real people and and experiencing these situations as if they were happening, you know, mm-hmm. like the the mom trying out the soap herself. Yes, you know? yes. Uh huh. Or or the moment when they you know Christmas dinner is destroyed and they have to go to the Chinese uh-huh. restaurant and they all just don't know what to do. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> and, and and um, there's a lot of of warmth in those little moments which it's it's mm-hmm. i feel like um you know it's like it, it the uh, the you kind of get that in the unofficial tv adaptation the wonder years you know which was inspired yes! by this a lot yeah, of I, that i learned that today like i didn't know that but of course yeah they are they are blood brothers the those two. oh yeah for sure um which which makes sense because I don't love the Wonder Years. I'll be <laughs> honest with you. I, I I like Kevin Arnold, but I don't love the Wonder Years. Um, okay, so another moment I want to talk about is the decoder ring situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he, he, which, the little orphan Annie decoder ring. Yes, which he is sent away for. He's so excited. Like I I can relate to that in childhood, where you're like sent away for something, and you're waiting for it to yeah. come. And every day you check the mail, and it's not and there. It's, for you, for a kid, it's a magical. Uh, and, you know, you're you're a part of a secret society. Like you're in the know. Mm-hmm. It's something special and mysterious. And and what you don't realize is this basically, you know, junk uh, advertising. Yeah. It's there to advertise to you. So like that part where he locks himself in the bathroom and the tension is just building and like everyone's outside banging like, you need to get out of there. What are you doing in there? And he's like, I got to save Orth and Annie. And he's like, the narration is like, it was starting to come more easily to me. The the decoder ring. Uh And then it's like, be sure to drink your old tea. It's just, and then he's like, what? <laughs> like, oh, the lo- that's this movie. The, that's this movie is like loss. excitement, 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 build, build, build a disappointment. The loss of innocence. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, and it's the same thing that, that happens with the leg lamp, which we also have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Fragile. Fragile. Yeah. I will say this is one of the most quotable and. Oh, I yeah. Think, Quoted movies ever. I, I used I used Fragile last week. Yes, yes. That you have to yeah, say when, it when you encounter when that you're word. opening a package. Must be Italian. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I, to the point where it's so included in the cultural lexicon that I think that like it's possible that younger generations quote this movie and don't realize that they're quoting this movie. Mm-hmm. In that same like Rocky way, you know, Rambo way, where it's like, oh, this is what that's from. 
oh, you'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your eye mm-hmm. out. Like, it's just part of us. Yeah. At Christmas time. Um, what? Do you, how do you, what, tell me your thoughts on the whole leg lamp situation. Um, it's interesting how, you know, as you get older, you see, you know, you when you're young, you see these from the kid's point of view. And as you get older, you really start to appreciate the adult points of view, the parents' points of view. And how, again, like I said, yeah. how in this viewing, I got, I, I watched and enjoyed the mom a lot more and, and, and seeing her not only as, as the mom, but as a, as a person, as a character, as a person who I'm mm-hmm. probably older than, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and I mean, yeah, in the 1940s, she was probably 23, right, you know, or, or <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing that I enjoyed uh, this time around, and I probably had saw it from this angle before, but just especially appreciated it, is just the dad's need to be a winner and that he won mm-hmm. something. And he's so proud that he is <laughs> completely blinded by the thing that he actually got. You know, yep. if he had seen this in a store, it would not have been grand. You know, but the fact that this was a a major award is, is you know is is the validation that he needs in his very basic lo- you know humdrum life, his r- routine yeah. life, and so mm-hmm. he is now, <laughs> you know, a great achiever. He has this major award, and he's going to display it, and it's the <laughs> the cheesiest, most ridiculous, inappropriate thing, and he's blinded. By the success to what to the context and what his wife and family might think of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and he even outside, he's so proud that he starts convincing other people around him in the neighborhood that is this great achievement because initially they're like, what the what what is that, you know? And, and they start yep. to turn around that, you know, it's that it, it's you can see that kind of story in any kind of like small community. It's like, oh, I just had this this great achievement. And everyone else is kind of convinced because no one else wins major awards in this town, you know, or yes. in this neighborhood. Yes. So how would you know what a major award looks like? Maybe if you win one, you'll get yeah. the other yeah. leg and eventually we'll build a whole person. Yeah, even there, it's like, huh. Okay, like they start to come around to the whole idea, you know. Yeah, look at this. It's a, I guess that's a major award. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 it reminds me, uh, so much of that moment too in uh Christmas Vacation, which are very similar movies, um, where the you know. Clark is so building up in his mind what his Christmas bonus is going to be and what he's going to do with it. And then he gets the big, the big uh, disappointment that it's the, it's the jelly of the month club. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. This feels like that where it's like your expectations are so high and your need for approval, like that, that dad need for approval and to be a winner and to like earn and be the like, yeah, big dad of the family and then it's and then it's a disappointment is such a cliche and i understand it but i don't like it it doesn't make me feel good you know it makes me feel um so sad for everything in the whole situation for like the corporation that 
doesn't you know <laughs> care and the dad who's so desperate and the family who's like it's okay dad you know uh-huh. it's like the whole that whole thing well um, I, I think it's interesting you know in these christmas movies that there's a theme that dad is the common man you know yeah. that you know in, in christmas vacation we're really seeing it from dad's point of view the things he tries mm-hmm. to do that are special for his family you know but in this in this this one we're, we're we're seeing it more from Ralphie's point of view but it's it's mm-hmm. the fact that that dad is this common man who's trying to do his best you know or yeah. or, or you know within within the context of this holiday which is effectively an event you know a a, a ritual that you have to put on you know and so every year you have to continue the ritual and you've got to go through the event mom has to make this giant dinner you know mom and dad have to put out this big presentation for the for the uh, the christmas tree you know dad has to do like in, in christmas vacation like he's got to put up the lights and make it a show and it's his responsibility to make the season special you know and yeah. it, it's ultimately the the conflict between it is pulling that off and and failing but ultimately like the realization that that <laughs> your dad is a normal guy you know yeah 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 um, what what lovely analysis that was, Nathan. Good good work, you. Um, yeah, and the whole ritual of the whole thing, which is a moment I like too. When the when the dogs get the turkey, mm-hmm. like Ralphie is lamenting, like no turkey, no turkey soup, no turkey sandwich, no turkey dumplings, no turkey salad, like. Right. It would be so easy to, to not want those things to be like, oh my god, another turkey dumpling, another turkey salad. But he wants those things, um, yeah, at, because they're they're part of this. Um, yeah, the the ritual, the event. You know, it's like you you always try to <laughs> pull pull off. The, it's it's like Thanksgiving in the, the same way, but it's just not as yeah. as visual. Yeah. You know, like I, I've definitely had unsuccessful Thanksgivings and successful Thanksgivings. And you always try to do your best year round, you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Well, and it's like, isn't that so interesting now that it's like that ritual, like we're looking at something that was made in the eighties that's based in the forties. And it's like, Oh my God, we have to have this, 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 and this Mm -hmm. in order for our holiday to be what it needs to be. Or we as a family, as Americans, we are failures. And then, and now that we're in a pandemic, everyone's like, but no, the ritual, we must, mm-hmm. the turkey, we sh- we simply well, must look at each other. And, and even if we don't like being in the same room, we must put the sweater uh-huh. on and sit on the couch and tell the stories and eat the well, turkey. I, I think that's the interesting thing because it's not, this is just the current, this is this year's version of that debate. Because I don't know, it, it, like in, in my household, every year, what is the proper ritual or what is the ritual this year is up for negotiation, you know? Because one, one person, it's like, one person likes this for Thanksgiving, another person likes this for Thanksgiving. Like, I'm not a huge turkey fan. Like, I'd prefer to have roasted chicken or like ham or something like mm-hmm. that but then mm-hmm. my brother and and his girlfriend they don't eat ham at all you know it's like so yeah and then you know it's like the question of stuffing like you know it you know it's like brian doesn't can't eat celery you know so that 
it's not going in the stuffing and I can't eat apples. So that doesn't go like in the, the cranberry dessert. And so it's like, Oh, Brian's not coming this year. Oh, great. We get to have this then, you know, it's like, get, get the celery, cram that sucker full of celery. Yeah, and, and it seems like every, every year, whether it be like Thanksgiving or Christmas, the ritual that we're going to observe um, it has like a power vacuum or a power play. It goes back and forth. Like what, what it's mm-hmm. like, I hear <laughs> like, you know, Tom Hanks, he loves like the classic, like forties style, like uh Christmas tree where you get all the silver tinsel covering it from top to bottom. Um, but mm-hmm. he only gets that every, every other year because none of his family likes that. <laughs> so they have yeah. to alternate, you know, it's always yeah. this, the, what is the ritual is always a negotiation, at least in, in my experience. And it, oh, absolutely. you know, it's like, I, I, myself, I like a prime rib. Oh. I'm what? Let's let's do let's not have a turkey at all. Let's do a prime rib. Let's let's uh you know the point is to the point is not as you say to do the ritual the right way every time. It's supposed to be right to mm-hmm. give thanks and be with your family or just at least appreciate your family. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's how you show appreciation. I think is to be like, okay, well if you don't want celery, we're not going to put it in there. Um cuz it's not about the celery. Mm-hmm. It's about us or whatever. So I, I did like that. I did like that in a Christmas story, there isn't some element of the in-laws coming over or like having to deal with people outside of their own family. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they're doing all of this ritual because just for them, for the four of them mm-hmm. to enjoy. So I, I like that piece of yeah. it. Um, they do get that, you know, it's the classic imagery, but they do get the, the, the terrible present from the aunt. Yes, the bunny suits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely a thing. Ne- never yes, so bad in, in is... my experience. And <laughs> but yeah, I never understood the bunny suit. I get that it's funny and it's a funny visual. And like you know, even this year, there's a resurgence of like Christmas ornaments and uh-huh. and outdoor decoration inflatables of Ralphie in the bunny suit. Um, but I never, it just it's, never made sense to me. I was like, it's not Easter, uh-huh. lady. Well, it's, what are you it, doing? It's supposed to be the epitome of the bad reoccurring present from an aunt, you know, or, 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 or yeah. a family member who doesn't get you. Like, typically, it's like a bad sweater, you know, and you get a new bad sweater every year, but they just cranked it up to 11 mm-hmm. and made it like a, 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 un, a bunny suit, which, ha- you know, is, it doesn't work at all. It's just the epitome of embarrassment. Yeah, you couldn't even wear that to like appease the person, right. um, like you could a sweater or some socks. And I, I like that the dad, it, the mom is just like, oh my god, this is the most precious thing. <laughs> it reminded me of Linda from Bob's uh-huh. Burgers that she would just love that. And the dad's like, he looks like a demented, murdering <laughs> rabbit. Like you gotta get back. Uh-huh. Get that yeah, out the of dad here. like literally sees trauma radiating off of him. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, that poor boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like he's supposed to be nine, right? Yeah. So it's like that's way too. That's like at, way out of the pocket of like oh, yeah. it being cute to wear a onesie, and you're not yet into that like young twenties thing where you're like, I'm wearing a onesie. It's cool. Like <laughs> that poor, poor, poor boy. Um, and there's so much of an element of bullying in this movie. Like bullying is a major thing. Oh yeah, uh huh. 
Um, he even says at one point, you're either a bully, a toady, or a victim. And that's the only three categories of person you can be. And just like, I'm glad they didn't have some sort of thing where he was made to wear that outside because, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he does, you know, overcome his bully, I guess. He just like loses his mind and uh, goes goes crazy on that kid. Yeah. The- um, that kid who was just a generic bully like i you know i feel like he's almost in a lot of ways the like the template bully or like the template oh absolutely you know it's like i feel like a lot of movie bullies are based off of scut farkas yes even in the way that they look with the sort of red hair and the like the freckles Uh like that's what buzz looks like in home alone Mm -hmm. um you know that's that's what bullies yeah are. and the, this and the great music that they use for him it's like the the one of the things that helps evoke the era is just their great use of of like these uh classic classical music you know and like this is like the peter and the wolf the you know the the kids being hunted by this it just again lends to not just the era but just kind of like the Again, the the mythos and and feeling like everything that is is happening is is he, big and eventful to these kids. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, what is this? Would you say this is your favorite Christmas movie? Like, if, like outside of the eighties, is this your favorite Christmas movie? Are there others that you hold? Dear. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I would go on record and say this is my favorite Christmas movie um, because okay. a lot of them are much more tender, and I feel like this one is funnier. You know. Okay. So, uh, so I would say in terms of being funny, I think Elf is a funnier mm-hmm. Christmas movie. What? Are you, how do you feel about? Elf? I enjoy Elf. I I find it. Um, you know, I I. <laughs> I didn't grow up on Elf, you know. Of course, of course. So, it, like, is that what it's lacking for you? The nostalgia? No, I, I, I would say that I, I find a Christmas story genuinely funnier than Elf. Um, okay. I would probably, honestly, I would probably put my number two Christmas movie, uh, Scrooged. You know. Oh, okay. That's an interesting choice. Yeah, uh, you know, and then and then maybe Charlie Brown Christmas, and and then um. Just that is purely for nostalgia. Yeah, because can I tell you something? I hate the Charlie Brown Christmas. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you know, <laughs> and this is of course under the the pretext that Die Hard is not being counted in this. As yeah, a, that we can't. <laughs> right. Of course, we're we're not including that. Um, so I think my favorite is probably Home Alone, hmm. mm-hmm. and I've I have that say like so with. You're looking at this and saying, "Oh my god, like that's childhood." Like I I th- feel the same way about Home Alone. And you could argue with me and you should that like Home Alone is also super negative. Like he hates his family, he wants them gone. Mm-hmm. Everything is disappointment. Um, you know, he's happy that he's thinks he's erased his family, but for some reason I relate to that more <laughs> and hate it less. So so who knows? Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but I, yeah, I like I like Home Alone. I like Elf. Um, I like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, that, that's definitely in the top five. So there's a lot 
of, and you've already mentioned quite a few of them, but there is a lot of like trivia and stuff to talk about with this movie. People love this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, people um, people went nuts when it was removed from the theater on the first run. Yeah, and they were like, you get me that Christmas story back, yeah. you put it back in this theater right now, and don't you take it away till we say so. Yeah, it, it, usually this stuff grows, and it was immediately like people's favorite. Yeah. Um, so there's one guy who bought the house <laughs> in 2005. He bought the house that the, the movie was filmed uh, at in Cleveland, and he spent years recreating it wow. like as a as a like museum exact <laughs> museum of how the inside of the christmas story house looks and he bought the house next door to make it a museum just a guy it's wow. not like the movie theater uh-huh. it's just a guy uh-huh. who's like yeah you I don't will see spend... that except like in star trek fandom you know yeah yeah that's like next level dedication like there's a story about a, a a pair of dudes who like went on a road trip to go to all of the locations and they found all of the locations even the ones that like don't exist anymore or are something else mm-hmm. now um so like that's the level of dedication and commitment that people have to this movie uh, did i tell you so um my brother logan actually <laughs> recreated the ending or, or the, the, the scene where da- the dad goes like, what's that? What's that over there? Do you see that? He recreated mm-hmm. that on Christmas Day with my brother Brian and actually bought <gasps> him a Red Rider BB gun. Oh, that's <laughs> It was at the end of Christmas and and Logan was like, I, I, I can't remember if it was Logan or Brian because they're both fully capable of doing that. I feel like it was Logan who bought it for Brian. Yeah. And so Logan, who we've had on the Rambo episode, um, it's like, what? what's that over there? Is that something over there? You should check that out. And in the corner was a Red Rider BB gun. Oh, I that is precious, and I adore mm-hmm. that. Um, my my family one year got everybody in the family, uh, and my, so myself uh, and my brother and my sister, uh, Red Rider BB guns, and like it was a whole Christmas story theme. So we mm-hmm. each got a DVD of it, and like a little like a stress ball, you know those squeezy things that you mm-hmm. s- squeeze. That was the soap, oh. like the red soap. Uh-huh. And it said a Christmas story, and we all got BB guns. Wow! Um, which I en- I loved the BB gun. I was like, "Thank <laughs> you for this weapon," and just did not have the heart to be like, "I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna watch this DVD." <laughs> um, <laughs> but why would I need to? It's on all the time. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I do think that's cute, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm not against BB guns. Oh, oh, but also like, so the Daisy Rifle Company uh, made those Red Rider BB guns because this movie was so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, yeah, seriously, and those leg lamps. Oh my God, you see them everywhere. <laughs> now we They're don't everywhere. have we haven't adopted that tradition yet. No, you don't have a leg lamp. <laughs> well, I think you need to get one for your family. Maybe maybe one to, day when I win a prize, I'll deserve it. Yes. Well, you got to earn that major award. Yeah. Um, so Will Wheaton auditioned for the role of Ralphie. Can you imagine that alternate universe? Huh. 
Yeah, I, I feel like he's he was too sincere at that age. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't cartoony enough. Yeah. Like Peter Billingsley, really, he just looks like someone drew a child. Yeah, it, it's so he's so Even, good. Yeah, it's it's like an adult playing a who is transformed into a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has like such a baby face, and just like you said, it that Norman Rockwell coloring of his like his blue eyes and his rosy cheeks it's like mm-hmm. it's too much mm-hmm. um and he and he is definitely perfect uh for it um his friends are flicking shorts yeah okay i think i think we've already talked about most of the mm-hmm. yeah um, I, I feel like my one criticism watching the the movie again is it, it kind of feels like it's missing like the perfect end button to the movie you know, mm. it just, yeah, it just sort of ends, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And yeah. The credits just roll after he comes in and, and like he leaves the BB gun outside and they're just like, okay, well, we're going to have Christmas. Um, yeah. Honestly, let's, that's the only, that's the only complaint I've got of this movie is that it's just missing like this perfect button at the end, you know? Well, is that is that like a, a hallmark of the eighties though? Like, I mean, talk about like Karate Kid and stuff. Like, they're just like, no, and the movie's over. No, no, no. Get out! The like, movie's over. <laughs> I felt like um, the uh, I felt like Karate Kid, even though it was like, yeah, the movie's over. It had that that button, that tag. You know, it's the 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 kick, the yeah. kick. You get the music, the swell. It's the peak of emotion. It's the end of like the Rocky movie, and then you cut to not. Daniel, but Mr. Miyagi, and you get that sense of approval, and you know, yeah. and then boom, it's done. Then you don't want to stay any longer. I felt like that was a perfect ending, even though it was bam, we're, we're done. Like it just needed something, even if it was just the narration to tie it on, you know, and we like pull back on the neighborhood just a little more. It, it was almost yeah. there, almost there, but that's my only complaint. Yeah. Well, but that's that's what this movie is. It's a lot of build up and then disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> that's the button. Uh-huh. Um, so what uh what would your rating be on a scale of one major award uh-huh. to ten major awards? How many major awards do you give? So I'm going uh, I'm going to give it an eight point five. Okay. I'm tempted to give it higher. Well, do it. Look, it's Christmas. Eight points. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'll stand at eight point five. Okay, you love this movie. If you want to give it a nine, then the, I encourage. It's, it's it's in my heart. It's not one of those. Oh my god, I love it. I've got to rewatch it. Instead, I I watch it every time it's on. You know. It's yeah. not it's not yeah. like I guess the thing that's keeping it from a nine is like, oh, my God, we've got to watch this, you know, more like it's it's a warm blanket, you know. OK, so I'll go with eight point five, eight point eight point seven five. I will give it a uh, a six because even though I it's not for me, I understand objectively <laughs> that it is a nice movie. <laughs> You see how strangers could be convinced to yeah. not hate yeah. portions of it. 
Sure, sure, sure. Like, I understand that my views are not the express written views of, uh, you right. know, the, it's the- like people of the opposite political view. You understand how they could be conned into believing these things. <laughs> well, I understand why you like it. And I just like E.T. Like, I get why people like it. There's just something about it that it's, you know, it's not for me. And that's fine. People, I can, I'll give you, you get your Christmas story. You keep it. It's there for you. I'm not taking it away from you, but like, I don't, I don't need it. I'm good. Don't take away um, my Christmas story. I would never, I would never. Um, so what is your deep cut recommendation? And I think it's, I think it's tough. It is tough. It is one. tough. So what yeah. I went with for, and it's not really a one-to-one, but it's more kind of like, Again, it's like rewatching it. I got nostalgic for an era that I would never lived through, which is like, yeah. you know, the late 30s, early 40s. And, you know, and and um, and another form of of media that I enjoy from the era um, are uh, these uh, cereals, these old cl- cliffhanger yeah. cereals. You know, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, like he had listened to the radio, but these were like in the movie theaters, like the, the, the serials, the old serials, like, you know, when, when we think of that stuff like Flash Gordon and stuff that inspired a lot of sci-fi from the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. so my, my deep cut recommendation is if you're, if you're wanting more of that, like him, you know, like little orphan Annie and like the cowboy stuff and, and like the the pirate radio series, you know, um, is a, a if you want to get into these old classic um, like film cliffhangers. And so what they would do is that they would they would be like 20 minutes long and they'd be for, before the feature film. And the idea is that it would be like a 12 part series. And so mm-hmm. they would always um uh, end with a cliffhanger like you didn't know how they get out get out of it you know like the the mine cart is filled with dynamite and it's going to explode and it's going off a cliff you know or like the 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 airplane is going to crash because there's no pilot like very indiana jones kind of stuff um the the radio the the not the radio series like the 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 series i'd recommend is uh spy smasher from 1942 so there's 12 chapters and it's very like if you're into Indiana Jones and that era of entertainment, uh, this is this is one of the better ones. Um, it, it's basically Spy Smasher is kind of a very early, um, you know, superhero in a lot of ways. But he's kind of like um, bare knuckle uh, punching out Nazis and and crime lords and things like that. It's one of it, it's one of the more entertaining of these series, and I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube. But uh, Spice awesome. Spice Smasher, I think that's a great recommendation. So I would say my deep cut recommendation is um, thoughtful gift giving, like in the era of the internet and Etsy and um, you know, red bubble and, and places where you can get like really, really specific handmade um, gifts and have them sent everywhere in the world, like lickety split, mm-hmm. uh, give a nice gift to somebody that's like really either 
perfectly thoughtful and, you know, give it to them in, in such a way that it's, you know, that fun moment of like, what's that over there? <laughs> oh, did we forget one present? You know, uh, or give them something that's really specific to a movie they love or um, a TV show that they like um, or give them the worst thing you can think of, like a bunny suit. <laughs> uh huh. Just make it memorable. Just make it there memorable. Better be joy no- or trauma. Either yeah, way, no phoning right, it in. No phoning it in, guys. No jelly of the month club, either great or terrible. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. So, uh, like, of course, we didn't do our whole like. I'm a filmmaker. You're a comedian. By so this time, they know. They know. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, where do you want to tell people where they should go to to find and look at your? Thing? Yeah, uh, the best way is to go to squishystudios.com or to visit Squishy Studios on YouTube for any of our current projects. Yes. Um, and you can find uh, me doing online improv at nctphoenix.com um, and on the YouTubes as well at NCT Improv. Um, yay. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, we appreciate you. Find all of us, uh, our stuff online uh, at mostexcellentpod.com and on the Instagrams at mostexcellentpod. And remember when you're out there in the world, especially at, during the holiday season, remember to be excellent to each other and party on, dude. Party on, dude. Whoa. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your eye out. <laughs>